are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Welcome everybody to Radiant Culture. It's another episode. It's great to be here. And today's episode is going to be very unique, very informative, and yeah, lots of value derived from listening to this podcast we're going to be talking about something that is sometimes ignored but very serious and very um you know something that's prevalent uh, yet we we often ignore it and don't give it as much attention as it needs so today i'm not the usual host um the usual hosts are AWOL today but today um i'm joined by tj <laughs> What's up guys and Dazzle Hello So yeah, today we're going to be talking about um, depression and having a discussion around that And Dazzle's actually going to be sharing her story about how she suffered from depression And how God um, helped her through it and actually overcome depression And we're just going to be talking about why, you know, um, it hasn't been given the attention that it actually deserves And uh, just a bit of background, and I'm. Um, there's been a lot of talk about depression, especially um, you know I've been reading online, and you know recently, I know there's a you know very popular um, South African professor, I think, who um, committed suicide. Uh, apparently, he had a case of depression as well, and we had a popular um, uh, media personality was also a close friend who also um you know had a depression case and she recently passed away so these kind of events kind of when they're closer to home you know usually you read about it and it's Mm. usually people abroad people in the u.s or in europe or whatever who are suffering from these things and you know in africa we you know we only consider someone really sick if they have malaria or you know, Ebola or some sort of HIV or something that, you can see. Yeah, something you can see, <laughs> something you can, yeah, it's tangible. But often case, um, it's often the case that, you know, a lot of people are depressed and we don't know about it and people die from it mm. and um, we don't know about it. So I just want to talk about it and uh, just explore a, a bit about it and how people who are suffering from depression can deal with it. Because it can happen to anyone. Right now, you could be happy and everything is going well, but something can happen and you can fall into depression and this will be of good value. And also, you can also help someone who's going through uh, depression. So, depression. What is depression? Okay. Um, I googled it and um, got a bunch of words and phrases and definitions here. Um, I've got a definition here that says sadness, feeling down, having loss of interest or pleasure in daily activities. These are the symptoms of depression, but it's, it's not a once-off. So if you have this as a once-off, which we usually do, you know, during the week you can have moments where you're sad, where mm-hmm. you don't feel like anything, don't worry, you're not in a depression. <laughs> you're just having a low moment. But when this like becomes your constant state, like it's like an everyday thing and it's prolonged, then... You might be suffering from depression. So, I'll throw yeah. it to my guest today. Um, depression. <laughs> and just to add on to your like definition of depression, um, it's not just to do with sadness, but sometimes how you tell someone is clinically depressed is it impairs their everyday life. Wow. So, okay. like, stuff they were used to, like, they enjoyed doing before. Like, they don't like watching movies anymore. They don't like... So, at work zero concentration and whatnot and all that. like what you were saying like a lot of people then say oh, okay like we, we we just think hi ah, i'm just having you know one of those days but it actually may affect how you work yeah and and other stuff cool so my question is why is it that i mean we see a lot of cases now of people who suffer from depression usually leads to some form of chronic illness or to suicide mm-hmm. and people die from it and it kind of seems like everyone's ignoring it why don't we 
you know, why isn't depression up there with HIV and because it's equally as devastating? Why isn't it like that? Well, I'm I'm going to take that one um, because I I I think there's a stigma around it. So even people who because we we're, we're like this informed generation, so I think we do know when we are going through a depression, and because there's a stigma around it, we then kind of go in a state of denial, sort of where we don't really want to admit to ourselves that we might be depressed because maybe it means we're a spoiled white person. And like, no offense to spoiled white people, <laughs> but, but like, it's, it's like a stereotype where it's like people who suffer from depression are generally like kind of like not serious or they're like attention seekers or, you know, people who are not really focusing on the, on the important parts of their lives. But I, I just, kind of want to bust that myth and say, look, things happen in people's lives and the effect of those things is where you can find depression stemming from. Because like, obviously if something happens to you, something traumatic happens to you and something traumatic happens to me, the way we handle it is different. Depending on what character type you are, you might take it as a you might take it in your stride and take it as a point from which you can leap forward and do greater things. Whereas another person that just completely shatters them and it shatters their confidence. Like they can't basically can't move on from there. It's, it's like, for example, somebody who's been like sexually abused or just even uh, emotionally abused, like abuse is, one of those things again that kind of people want to wear gloves around and nobody really wants to talk about it and nobody wants to and this is these are all places where depression can come from i mean um to share a little bit about my story like i my parents were okay like we i didn't encounter any kind of like sexual abuse or anything like that and this is not me like disclaiming it as if you know it's something to be like ashamed of or anything like that but i'm just trying to say my situation wasn't like very bad as you'd maybe think, okay, fine. You had a very bad situation. So of course you can be depressed. I think I was just a really miserable child and I had trouble fitting in with other kids because from as far back as I can remember, I had this bed waiting problem Uh and then you have this bed waiting problem and you're in boarding school. Uh-huh. So this means like you've got to do your own laundry and things like that because I I went to private schools and there was none of this we're washing your your soiled sheets for you if you soil your sheets you're washing them yourself uh-huh. so like for me it was a chronic thing like every day I would have to wash these. Uh, soiled things. I tried not drinking water after five. I mean, to this day, I struggle to drink water. Like water and I are just not friends like that. We don't get along. And pills are also not my friends. We don't get along because I then had to take medication for it. And I think the traumatic experience of being on medication and still having a chronic problem is like, Mm. but this is not working out. And I think I've even mentioned this in my blog that I even had beef with God, like, but God, I'm talking to you every day. I ask you every day, God, please, I don't need this problem. Like, can it go away? I I remember when I was in high school, because then I was in boarding school, grade seven, then I had to do form one and two. And um, because the family moved, (laughs) we were staying in Mashingwa and the family moved to Harare and my parents just felt it would uh, cause me some damage if I then have to be moved from school, like from where I was to Harare as well. So I stayed on in Mashingo as a boarder. So grade seven was just another story. And I, these were like the formative years where you're starting yeah. to, you know, want to experiment and be seen and that kind of thing. And my problem was so bad. They like put me in a separate um place uh-huh. like there was this what used to be a storeroom and they, they kind of made it the wee wee room for the people who who have problems mm. and so obviously other kids would then be like wee wee bag and all kinds of funny things like that like for me it, it wasn't the name calling that really got to me it was the why do i have this problem because if i didn't have this problem people wouldn't need to say what they're saying mm. to me uh-huh. and it carried on even into high school so then when everyone else is still snoring at five i'm up at five I've got to wash my soiled blankets. And 
they need they actually sent a let they'd send letters to my parents and be like oh your daughter's a problem this that and we're gonna need a special mattress because she's basically ruined ours and if you can imagine a special mattress was actually sent for me from harare to yeah. mashingo and delivered and imagine that everyone is there and people can see this and it obviously yeah. ripples down to the yeah. social yeah, you know and so if it, yeah i i hardly talk about this but like Basically, the first guy who ever asked me out was dead too. So you know those movie scenes where people are like, "Chichi, I like I had that oh. <laughs> live wow. and direct." And you know, looking back on it now, it's, it was just one of those unfortunate things. But yeah. look, you live in this perpetual state of disconnect from everybody, and you just are miserable. Yeah. And like, this is what depression does. Wow. Like it breaks down everything and you like instead of just taking things in your stride as separate mm-hmm. entities from who you are, you connect them to yourself and you become this bedwetting problem. And that is who you are throughout life. <coughs> You're walking around. Everyone is embarrassed of you. Everyone thinks you smell or there's just something off and uh-huh. it's because it's you. And until you, you deal with that, then you'll, continue to be depressed and it it's just it only escalates because your lenses through which you view life are obviously tainted and so anything that happens to you you could have just had an unfortunate day your phone drops the screen breaks but it's like oh because it's me and oh of course the bedwetter's phone has got to break you know <laughs> yeah yeah wow. Yo, that's quite an interesting journey but i guess we'll get uh, into it a bit more so you've kind of answered a question that I had, but I'll still mm. ask it. Um, I've seen a lot of, let me not say a lot. Some people say that ah, depression is just a choice. You know, these are people who are choosing to be unhappy and, you know, they're not choosing to live positively and seeing the positive in life. So it's really their, their problem. You know, I saw, you know, comments like these when, you know, Amy Winehouse passed away and mm. she was such a, very talented musician and you'd wonder okay someone with such a great talent why would they commit suicide why would they you know be depressed and and i mean she she was popular she had money and why would you (laughs) be depressed you know so people start saying ah for some of these people it's a choice they choose to be like that they don't see the positives in their lives they're not grateful and that sort of thing and you start to wonder is depression a choice people choose to be depressed and then they then you know it then becomes chronic and then now they can't handle it and then now they have to go on medication uh, um mr shrink, <laughs> <laughs> mr. shrink. Mm. so there's another side to depression that a lot of people don't know depression can actually be a biological problem mm. so like oh. it can be like a hormonal imbalance that makes you it predisposed to to doing to to depression i mean like it could be you know what's the serotonin that's one of the hormones that yeah, say yeah. if there's an imbalance between norepinephrine serotonin and the other one yeah. i'm forgetting the other one but if there's an imbalance there you're more likely prone to become like uh, depressed because like a lot of people don't understand this but how we function our bodies has to do also with biology you know okay so like, it's just like how endorphins work yeah like yeah. If, if you have a you know a lot of endorphins you're probably usually happy so if your body doesn't produce enough endorphins you know you're on the other side so it might be that causing and not necessarily that the person is actually choosing to be depressed characters are different yeah you know even like you see it even from birth before you even learn anything in your life people's characters are different you find one baby doesn't even cry for nothing you can drop yeah. the kid doesn't my brother's kid is like that he's just chilled mm. and then you find other kids are really anti and they and cry they're sensitive uh-huh. and then you find there's some kids who have like if you just leave them they'll start crying like they yeah. they always want someone around them they're looking yeah. for affirmation and stuff so i guess that kind of plays into as well like your character as a person from like birth who are you okay. the, we have to then deal with different 
So w- w- where does this stem from? I guess that's where I'm going, as in giving myself as a contrast to someone who's prone to depression. Mm-hmm. Is this like something that, like, where does it come from? Is it genetics? Is it uh, something, complication uh, in, in birth? What is it? Is it like uh, the way you're brought up? Is it a diet? What, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What causes this? difference between different babies and stuff because i have noticed that uh-huh. you know certain babies they just cool they just don't cry a lot and some babies just cry way too much <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it has anything to do with genes because happy people can have a child who's and who's like very you know mm-hmm. very like fragile and like wants attention all the time and needs you know so i I would disqualify from my experience and what I've read and seen, I would disqualify to say ju- that it's generally just genes, except for in cases when you're saying it's a hormonal imbalance. Yeah. Like what we were talking about, it might be genes. But I would also like, since this is like a spiritual show, mm-hmm. I would also go on to say that there's a part of us that's created before we have our bodies. Okay. That is who we mm. are before we even, you know, that's how you know the differences in people's personalities yeah. and everything. The, the, where I see the problem comes is we are all born with these different personalities for a reason. Like God is literally just giving you, like he's making you the way you are for a reason, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? So what then happens is usually what I've, what I've tended to see is, People basically want to treat everyone the same when they're growing up. So if I have a happy child and, you know, one of those bubbly, always happy child and one who's not so, you know, happy, I tend to to want to treat them the same way as they're growing up. Mm. That's what a lot of people do, like, especially in our culture. I Mm -hmm. speak for our culture. But the thing is, people need different tools to attack life. You know, so I find that a lot of the time, some of these like happy kids don't really need those tools, you know, but the other kid might. But because there's a happy kid, it's always, why can't you be like Keith, who's always happy all the time? Why can't you be? But that Mm -hmm. exacerbates the problem and the child grows up and he doesn't have the tools to deal with his problems, you know, Uh because sometimes it's like a way of thinking. I, I noticed even sometimes this is something that I noticed. A lot of creative people are prone to depression. A lot of artists, a lot of creative people. That's where you'll find a lot of depression coming in. Just to, again, to share more about my story is like my, what maybe made me feel worse was the fact that my parents just wanted to help me deal with it. And I think they took the approach of Shamu. Or, you know, really like harassing me every day to get the point across, I just shouldn't do this thing. And I guess when you look at it properly, it wasn't a conscious thing that I was doing. So then you're harassing me as if I consciously decide to just shut off my brain and relieve myself in the bed. And that's not it at all. Mm. It was the complete opposite for me. I didn't want to have that problem and it made my life hell. So the hell on top of the hell was that it was like, Sha, but you're older now. You really shouldn't have this problem. What's what's wrong with you? Well, and so like, eh, why aren't you progressing? Quote, look at your younger siblings. They don't have that problem. You've got that problem. And then you just like there's no way for you to get the support that you need. Yeah. So you're at this private school full of these white people who believe in talking things out. And then you're at a home with these black people who believe you need to be disciplined. Yeah. So you can imagine what kind of kid I grew up. Like I was mischievous for days. Yep. Like I lived in the headmaster's office. Like this, this <laughs> one particular incident, I marked my own spelling test. I gave myself a 25 out of 25. And I'd actually gotten like, I think it was about two of the spellings wrong. They made an announcement in assembly (laughs) that I'm a teacher. So like, you know, when you get those kind of lights and then at home also, like you have nowhere to, you're talking about alone time. I remember that I would then just distance myself from everybody because it's like, I can't get love at like the kind of nurturing that I need for the state that I'm in from home because they don't understand what I'm going through. And then at school, they just know. And so now you're at the two extremes. And then 
I, I think there was once when one of the teachers suggested that we like have some kind of talk because then they pick up yeah. and then they'll think like maybe you're being abused at home or yeah, something. Yeah. And so for me, the moment this conversation came up, it was like, uh oh, my parents are going to think that I sold them out as in like True, I, yeah. I went and and it's just not done because yeah. we, we like don't even want the neighbors to know we're having My problems family, and yes, she, yes. before the, the visitors come but by the time the visitors come tears gone noses like no sniffing people are taking out biscuits you're serving drinks you're serving tea like nothing happened before that's and i don't know if it's if it's just us or i'm generalizing here but no. i i find that with a you know it's, I think it's the it's, background i think <laughs> you've actually got onto something which we we can lead into um mm -hmm. and we'll get back to your story uh -huh. um the issue of culture uh -huh. you've highlighted a very important aspect of culture and which is why i think we don't regard depression um, as seriously as we, you know, acknowledge other chronic diseases. Uh, mainly because in our culture, you're very spot on, especially in, you know, Zimbabwean homes, mm -hmm. yeah, the black homes. You will find that it's always about, it happened in my home as well. Mm -hmm. Like what happens in our family? Pros and cons of that. Now, because you don't want to wash your dirty laundry in public mm, and mm. stuff. But, you know, sometimes we take it too far. Where it's like, especially for kids, you're suppressed. You're mm. not allowed to comment. You're not allowed to talk about certain things. Like, I mean, sometimes some of the stuff was good for us, but we would get a beating. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you just don't <laughs> you know, answer. Yeah, you, you know, you don't ask beating. questions. Yeah, And after that... It was, like you said, relatives would come and you were supposed to put on a big <laughs> smiley face and act like nothing happened. And you couldn't talk to, not, not, not even like a neighbor or whatever, you couldn't even talk to your aunt or whoever about it. You couldn't even say, you know, Daroa or whatever uh, it is. It's like, I'll end up with no reporter. Exactly. Whoa. And you did. Exactly. That's I'm going to catch you again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's as if you reported them. And that uh, was like a worse crime. <laughs> now, uh, my question is, could that be the problem? Where we are sort of like breeding a culture of suppressing things and, you know, covering up things and 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 you know creating a facade that everything is okay when it's actually not okay well i i think we we definitely are like if you see the kinds of people who you hear have committed suicide you're like huh why exactly. is it always a shock when somebody has committed suicide because they never ever show you that side of how miserable they are i um i'm forgetting uh, the lady whose TED talk i saw but she's from south africa mm. i think it's called a lesson on love or something like that yeah. and she was talking about how she lost her dad when she was a teenager uh, and you know so she just kind of wanted to cover it up and and rush into this enthusiastic kind of positive thinking which is which is kind of the general mindset that we do and it's yeah. and like it's good it's good to think positively but I think sometimes it's okay to acknowledge that certain things are painful and you need to deal with them because for her she was like she eventually just broke down because everyone was asking oh so how are you how are you keeping off your day she's like oh, yeah. fine i'm fine and she took up her activities again and all that and then <coughs> eventually the system doesn't work you break down at some point or another this is why you then have and and i'm not saying this is the only reason why serial killers exist but like you get people who do things like that as in there's no outlet for the thing that you're dealing with so you're now just doing just crazy things I also want to talk again about another TED talk, which was about emotional hygiene. Yeah. I loved that talk. Yeah. And I and it opened up so much for me because I thought, wow, because you, you frown on the people who, who, who kind of sprinkle on the seat and leave it like that, right? Yeah. Whereas we actually do that emotionally as well. There are people who come into your life and sprinkle on the seat of your life yeah. and just leave it like that. And then you're coming, maybe you've just cleaned the loo and then this person is coming to come and sprinkle and yeah. like discolor your loo and doesn't even have the courtesy to flush. Like, 
We do that yeah. emotionally all the time. For example, you walk past the guard, don't even know his name, you don't even know he's walked 10Ks to get to work, whatever. Mm. You basically do not acknowledge the guy. And you wonder why somebody like that would go and commit suicide. Mm. Because you're, like, you've denied them their very basic wow, human wow. right okay. of being seen, of being heard. Yeah. And we as Christians are meant to seriously address that. You, you, you brought up two things that I was actually going to talk about. Uh, but it's basically based on fear, all uh, of it. Yeah. Fear of embarrassment and mm. the fear of being weak. Uh-huh. So the fear of being embarrassed of, 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 of being embarrassed makes you not say things, mm-hmm. you know, like that's on your part. Like internally, I'm just thinking, Hey, I'm ashamed to actually confess that I did this and it's messing me up. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like society just like embarrasses you when you do certain things mm-hmm. to that degree where you're like, no, I can't, you know, like, so sometimes it's perceived in your mind mm-hmm. that this is so embarrassing I, I can't confront this. I can't tell anyone. Even people close to me will judge me. Sometimes it's perceived. It's in your head. And then mm-hmm. on the other hand, like you were saying, you know the expectations of society. Yeah. So you really, uh, you've fallen short of the expectations of society, but you're embarrassed to come out and deal with it and say, guys, I'm in pain because mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. And then there's that fear of being weak again to say, okay, if I admit that I'm dealing with feelings of sadness, not everyone is going through this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I, the moment I admit that, I become the weak guy in the room. And, and, and weak people, being weak is not something that's generally accepted or, you know, it's not per se to say accepted. Like how people perceive weak people, sometimes it's like they laugh at you. And yeah. they're jeering like, ah, oh, he's weak. Don't you know this guy? He's just like, he's a wimp. And it's like, you what? Know? So uh-huh. people are afraid to come out and say this. So they portray like um, a facade on the outside. That's why you find like what you were saying, like a lot of it is compensatory behavior. Some people are actually not extroverts. They're not. They're actually introverts who are dealing with stuff. But to stop themselves from thinking, they're like, you know what? I need to be in a pub everywhere where it's loud noise, loud music, so and it's a lot of people. Extrovertness becomes they're really uh, not extrovert. It, it becomes like a therapy of some sort. Exactly, yeah. they're trying to run away from because depression has to do mostly with the way you are thinking. Okay. After like eighty percent of depression is how you are thinking because it's these persistent negative thoughts. Why mm. am I like this? Mm. Why is this happening to mm. me? Why? Why did this? Why is it like so? Essentially, if if you are an introvert, right, and you don't mm. like to 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 be around people, these thoughts are going to constantly hammer at you. Yeah, and you can't stop thinking they're like obsessive thoughts. But so a lot of introverts then tend to say, you know what? Let me just go out and drink. Mm. Maybe I'll forget. Let me go out and just like have loud music or people around me. Maybe I'll forget. So the um, the happy place becomes a place of discomfort. You know, the alone time mm-hmm. becomes a place of discomfort because it's there where you start thinking and you get depressed. Exactly. So you you no longer pleasure in that lone mm. time like some of us do and yeah. then for now reflection want to, and what yeah you. and then now you want to you know stay yeah. away as much as possible from that place yeah you you're pretty yeah. much faking to it. stop yourself yeah. from yeah and that yeah. doesn't deal with the issue yeah no you're like and that's another problem that like what you you highlighted again uh-huh. now people just say if something happened they don't acknowledge it mm. they don't allow themselves to grieve allow themselves they're like Hey, I'm 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 stronger than this. Mm-hmm. I have got to be always on point. I gotta yeah. be always smiling. I have. Mm-hmm. You don't give yourself that time to grieve, that time to actually process what happened and deal with it, confront and change anything that needs. A lot of people just jump and wow. move, yeah. and then they stack yeah. it, suppress it. So that's how you find some people. Komunano gara are happy. They're always happy, but they're just suppressing things, yeah. and then stuff will just blow up, man. When when when, when you no come one to is a looking point as well, yeah. Where you can't handle it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So yeah, let's dig deeper. <laughs> <into this>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna spill it all today. <laughs> so mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about you've kind of given us the background as mm-hmm. to why you were miserable. It was um, predominantly some of the problems you faced as a child, some yep. of the things that you had to contend with, and then also 
the way your family dealt with it mm. and in contrast to you know what you saw at school mm. and <coughs> so tell us how so when did you realize that you were suffering the, or suffered from depression? from depression um i just kind of <coughs> took stock of the kind of decisions that i made particularly um the the relationships that i had like people that i went out with and yeah. stuff like you just you sit down and take stock and you're like ah, but yeah. These are just poor, poor decisions. Yeah. These are just crazy self-destruct kind of yeah. like, because yeah. there were, there were points where I would just want to drink any and everything I can find. Yeah. And then I just want to be numb and like, like people, we hear it on TV and stuff, but like when I was doing it, I never would have admitted that. Okay. But then the next morning when you have this crazy hangover and by the way, I, I have to be thankful that God has kept me through all that yeah. because I could have easily ended up in hospital for mixing alcohol because then you I could jump from vodka and go into whatever, some other stuff, like just concoctions of stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, when you're like that drunk person who passes out on the grass, yeah. I have instances of grass passing out. Yeah. Like I've even lost shoes. Because I'm so lit. (laughs) (laughs) But as in you see that the 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 things you do, the way you react to things, hasha. Yeah. You are just always just it just takes a little tap and you just explode. Irritability. Yeah. Irritability, you explode, you're antisocial, you feel you need to defend yourself. Every single, like you have to, like you just go on the extreme of your emotions. And I think the extremes are always the the red flags because obviously there are times, you know, we're women, you can be hormonal during the menses and stuff like that. And you see that sometimes you're a bit more agitated than you are normally. Mm. And that's fine. Where it gets hectic is where like maybe you're there and then you're like beating up people in the streets. Like, I don't, I think I don't, man, man. Or something like that. We like the like as a very like eh, the fighting spirit, and then people will then diagnose it as something that's demonic. What what? Sorry, just to divert a little bit. I did actually attend a church like that, and when you are a depressed person who's looking for some kind of cleansing, some kind of salvation, you can really get tangled in the wrong way and end up doing all kinds of crazy things. So. Mm-hmm. Coming back to you, mm-hmm. how did you get out of the state of, of depression? Depression, yeah. Uh, was um, it some sort of <coughs> appearance of oh. an angel and say <laughs> someone said, "Oh, Thou you're shall free, be. <laughs> you're free." <laughs> no, actually, I went through the extremes of deliverance, like okay. as in you know when you're being delivered in quotes yeah. in front of the whole church, then you know damn you're in trouble yeah. you like you whatever's on you is hectic yeah and so w- while i was at this random church which i believe was kind of a breaking point in my life um there's like i do all kinds of things like as in you know when you just like literally leave even your bus fare and yeah. would yeah. elect to walk home because you just want to show god how serious you are like as in sew the shoes on your feet kind of god you gotta help me you gotta get me out of this one like i know i owe you and i'm just i'm giving you everything i've got like my blood sweat and tears and my dignity right now can you just you know and at this point my mom who we've clashed very heavily about this with because she's she's a different character from me i'm a little bit more sensitive and she's kind of hardcore like she gets things done and that kind of thing you know and i'm kind of the the kid who would like be like when when it's when they stand there and i'll be like oh mom it's god making presents for christmas and like your black mom is like why is that <laughs> why is that the, why is that the idea that comes to your mind Navunduka, you know it, <laughs> she's like, like no this is the death of private school no more you know <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, uh the one time my mom just went off and she's like you know what we are worried about your sanity, like your vibes. Like a crazy person right now. There's n- you cannot do that to leave home with Basfe in your pocket and walk back. 
because you've gone and left the very 50 cents you need for the combi because some voice in church is telling you you have to leave this 50 you you need to <laughs> don't even yeah. don't even breathe without praying you your stuff is serious anyway the yeah. oppressive <laughs> voices so my mom was like look i'm worried about your sanity like we don't have a way of dealing with you if you've decided you want to take the crazy path you're on yeah. like it's you need to make a choice take be accountable for your choices and gaga ga, ga. it was yeah. basically like and and we've had a couple of those with my mom like i i now realize where previously I used to wonder why I was put in this family and God knows exactly what it takes to move you. Yeah. There's that one person who always says something that just drives you to the point where you're like, man, I need to investigate this thing. Yeah. And the moment she said that I needed to investigate the thing because I had gotten to a point where <coughs> I'd, uh, at the time I was making jewelry. Yeah. That's the time I gave away all my beads, convinced myself God doesn't want a person who does beads, yeah. beads are demonic, music is wow. demonic, everything is demonic, and like just like as if wow. they were just demons, like just everything was just demonic, you know. And so I had come home and I was now on some tangent about hey, Missy, you're listening to all the secular music, you watch DSTV, watching all the secular stuff, what, what, what? like I would like harass people and insist everyone in the family needed deliverance and you know, like it was wow. just spiritual weirdness. So my mom just cut it one time because I had invited her to come to this church and she was like, one, the service is extremely long. There's yeah. no need for a church service to be this long. Yeah. You can't say 12 Murupinam Church, 5, 6, 8, what are you still praying? Or like, what kind of stuff are you dealing with? Like, yeah. you, you need to go out and <coughs> do it proper. Because at yeah. that point, these are the very same churches who tell you to bring your CV for prayer. You don't take your CV to an employer. You're taking your CV to a pastor. As if pastor is a Zitare company. And then they're just going to miraculously wow. call you from the company. But the logical sequence is that you are meant to submit your CV for a job. Likewise with relationships, you are actually meant to be a person who somebody wants to settle down yeah. with. And at the time I wasn't. Yeah. But then there we were being told, hey, and you, you know, wow. I'd tithe pocket money and things like that. So I can understand when my mom was like, hey, hey, hey yeah. enough is enough. We're worried yeah. about you. What yeah. is this? And so from that point, it had traumatized me so much that I didn't go to church for a while. After that, I was like, I think, yeah, me and this God guy, Aish, I know it's okay. Like, okay. I, I then distanced myself even from the friends I had there and what, what. And yeah. to this day, I actually think that it, it permanently ruined my relationship with my best friend yeah. because that, that just never, we, like, we, we kind of tried to butter it up and kind yeah. of cover it up, but at the core of everything, yeah. you never forget that. Yeah. You never forget the people who were there, yeah. the people who saw you in that state. Yeah. And even when you move past that, they are always <laughs> going to see that Sharon. Yeah. And so when you become an entirely different Sharon from that Sharon who they needed to feel sorry for, who was the problem child who needed to have deliverance after deliverance, yeah. because whatever she had just wasn't something that would go away. Like, it doesn't... It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I, I think after that big blowout and stuff and my disappearance from church for, for a while, the time I then started to come back to God was when it became legit, was when I, I then started to learn more than I ever did learn when I was back there. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm always sharing about this in my blog about how I was just as typical as a Pharisee. Yeah. Because then I, I thought... That was the system. Like you think, no, but one plus one, chi. And you know, I thought the harder I worked, the more of myself that I gave away, the more God would love me. And that's not it at all. In fact, there's an interview that Oprah did, um, and I can't remember if her guest was Ianla somebody, but yeah. there's it was she's a motivational speaker, I think, and she was talking about how it's not noble to give the very essence of yourself. Because the reason why your cup is meant to overflow is because that excess is what you give 
to the rest of the world, your family, yeah. your, your, your cup is always meant to be running over yes. because God is capable like that. Wow. He's not the God who gives you like five mils and then like you got to split the five mils, but no, you have like a drum of the stuff and it's just overflowing. And that overflow is what allows you to be kind. That overflow is wow. what, what stops you when you feel that anger rising. That overflow is what, what corrects you when your mind starts to think, ah, but I'm useless. That that overflow is what you need. And you we ought to invest in filling ourselves to overflowing because it's not noble to be on E and then you take the little scrap of E left and then you give it to somebody else and you feel like you've done a service. Mm. Wow, okay. I think we need to come to a close now. If we uh, do. Time <laughs> things, yes. but yes. I just wanted to get to a point where, so um, how exactly did you get out of it was it um something god did and how do you protect yourself from slipping back into depression okay let me try and be quick with yeah. that one but um so basically i uh I, it's definitely the work of god like i'm saying okay. how the relationship with god became legit okay and i believe every person will have that breaking point where they then connect okay. properly with God. When God wants to do something in you, he will do it. Wow. And and you you can't escape it, wow. especially if you are willing. Because all this dramatic stuff that happened to me was a willingness that was just abused in a flawed system. Uh-huh. But God always knew my heart. Yeah. He always knew that I, I wanted to be free <laughs> of this. And yeah. so he did all the work that was necessary about relationships. I went back took some accountability for my relationships. I um, apologized to every person who I knew deliberately something had gone wrong, like particularly rela- like how maybe we were dating and then this yeah. happened and that and the way I handled it and blah, blah, blah. And I went back to every single person and forgave them. Yeah. And this was an instruction I was given. And wow. it's like, Sha, go back and forgive those people yeah. and pray for their lives. And you yeah. know what? It blessed me so much when I took the first step to so say I forgave. Is, so this is all um, just God. This is God instructing wow. you with because things of that the relationship th- you yes, had with yes. wow. And so he, he will he will tell you what to do next. Wow. So That's you know so exactly what to do. And then I want to touch on Sozo as well. Yeah. I've spoken about Sozo yeah. before. Um how and and um it's like a spirit-led deliverance, yeah. which is a lot gentler and less dramatic than these other ones where people yeah. spend five hours learning about other people's dirty laundry. Yeah. So at Sozo, um, this prayer that goes on to ask God to show exactly which point somebody is at. Yeah. And then from that point, he'll highlight things. So for example, in my own Sozo, I, ne- I always thought... My dad was was like the cooler parent and I never knew I had beef with my dad until I went for Sozo and it yeah. was like, you need to forgive your father for not protecting you. I'm like, protecting you? Oh, what? Like it all sounded very white to me, but when I think about it, that's exactly it. The fact that I would be continuously harassed about <coughs> this bedwetting issue and he would just casually be there and not like really mm. step in. It's like, ah, am I Nemoanoawo, you know? So he seemed and cool because he yeah. wasn't in your issues. Eh, he wasn't he was in your disconnected. Yeah. And so, yeah, so a series of forgiveness and, and things like that, just dealing and addressing issues. And God will do it when you're ready. He'll wow. never impose deliverance on you. You only are delivered when you're ready for it. And you'll become an entirely different person after that. So I, to close off, yeah. I believe that's what healed me to the point where I could have a serious relationship with somebody. And I give him the respect that he deserves because I now have put my dad in the right place as well. Mm-hmm. There's no more, I and all forgiveness, all forgiven. Everything is like smooth. And now you see that, the people who hurt us need our forgiveness wow. more than than we realize because yeah. sometimes they can't even forgive themselves. And wow. when you take that first step, they don't understand why you're suddenly being so kind to them. And then it, it triggers in them the need to be kinder to themselves and they become better people from that. So long story short, my mom and I are best friends now. We've now understood 
each other. other. And wow. it's not like I'm not on defense mode with yeah. her. Like recently I shared my vision with her. Yeah. I'd always kept it to myself. I thought these are not the people who are going to be. And it's it's a wrong mindset. Yeah. And until you do some forgiving and yeah. asking God where really the problem yeah. is, you always clash with your parents. So there needs to come a point where you realize, okay, they may not have meant to hurt me the way they did, but you still have to acknowledge that they did hurt you. And that there is something there that happened, something that affected your life, which where Sozo comes into play is that they manage it in in the in the closed environment, where it's like you really get to, if you need to cry, if you need to choke on your tears, wow, like yeah. you really, there are places where you can get that. And I, I'll always appreciate the fact that this is one of the things that's offered at the church I currently attend. Yeah. Wow. Because it's finally... I've stepped into the me who I was always made to be. I didn't have to be perfect. Yeah. I'm bruised and battered up, but guess what? I'm still moving and I'm doing greater things than I ever thought I could do. Wow. And that's the point. That's wow. amazing. That's yeah. really amazing. And as just, this is just me thinking as a question, someone might actually, you know, need this so-so that you're talking about, which mm -hmm. church do you go to? So that someone who's hearing this and listening, Hey, maybe I need to be in this space. This might help me. They, they can know if I go to this church and then ask about this program, then maybe they can help me. Uh, I go to river of life. Okay. Yeah. okay. There's a That's branch great. in Eastleigh and Greystone park. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Oh. All right. And so then, just coming to, oh, you have one more thing. Quickly yeah. Though. All right. I just wanted to say like a lot of the times, you know, the, the crooks of like what we were talking about, how depression leads people to committing suicide. Depression is actually one of the leading causes of suicide mm -hmm. is, is a thing called hopelessness. Yeah. So that that's like a lot, uh, one yeah. thing that's not talked about when people come to talking about depression and the one thing that the Bible and Christianity that Jesus offers you when you come to him is hope. Yes. Because it, it comes to two sides where people are like, I'm in this hopeless situation and all that. And then there's the other side of depression where you come to church and you, you, you begin to realize that my lifestyle is wrong and the stuff that I've been doing, I've messed up. I can't figure out how to get to the right place. It doesn't happen overnight. And people kind of get depressed about that. But there's a hope you know, that comes with Jesus when he says, I will finish the work that I started in you, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I wanted to talk about that do not lose hope. And again, like it seems a lot of the times when you hear discussions like this, mm -hmm. it's people who've gone through depression and they've come through it. And, you know, you're like, ah, they can now speak only because they're out of it and stuff. I'm actually going through a phase of depression right now. And mm -hmm. the hope that I get in Jesus is what keeps me going, you know, not to get to that point of, you know, like it's, it's overwhelming sometimes, but because I'm in Christ and, you know, I can get to read, you know, scriptures, I can get to have believers around me, people that actually care, it, it, it helps, you know. Wow. So the biggest thing about depression that I would want to tell somebody is never lose hope. Like whatever happens you are not irredeemable. Yeah. Christ can redeem anyone. Yeah. And whatever happens, even though, you know, sometimes it can be, nobody loves me, those like negative emotions. Mm -hmm. There is always one person who, who loves you, Jesus. And you know, there's one scripture, I can't remember exactly where it is, where it says that Jesus is compassionate enough to relate to our problems. You know, he doesn't sneer at us for whatever we're going through. He's the one person you can talk to and is not going to say, ah, but that's just, you know, that's like, puny. Why, why are you still exactly. dealing with like, that? Our high mm -hmm. priest can relate to us because he also mm -hmm. suffered to a greater level. You know, he cried until he had tears of blood, you know, in that garden. He knows the you know, the mm -hmm. dark side of life. Yeah. So he can really relate. Wow. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a very good discussion. Thank you for sharing your testimonies, TJ. Thank you for your wise words. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, just, just to close it off and just, just a few things, just to highlight a few things, important things that you guys brought up is just, you know, how you know, God is the sol permanent solution to, yes. to things like, you know, depression and stuff and, and the hope that he brings. 
is the solution. And I find that, you know, a lot of the, um, no offense to the medical department, but I think the, some of the solutions that are given <coughs> are not really sustainable. For example, um, I was on antidepressant pills for a period, not because I was going through a depression, but because I had a problem with cramps. So apparently mm. I take the same medication as people who are depressed, even though I wasn't depressed. Didn't make sense it, to me. No, but your, your muscles were depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to me, but it kind of worked. And I remember that, you know, going through that period of taking antidepressants, I was generally more happy that i'm generally a happy guy but i was mm. even more happier than i <laughs> usually <laughs> am and uh -huh. i see what it does you know it creates a dependency mm. where it takes you to a certain place and you always want to be in that place mm -hmm. and then you're reliant on those drugs i know sometimes it's intentional because some of those companies profit that way because mm -hmm. you become dependent you always go and you know get a prescription for that and it's not like uh they can never completely take away depression. They just it's like managing the situation and profiting out of out of it. Whereas from what you are saying, you never went through any uh, medication no. for depression or whatever. No. And you come out of it not having spent well, you kinda of maybe did spend money by tithing. Yeah, <laughs> no shame. Yeah. That wasn't the solution. <laughs> but the solution came when you had a relationship with God. Yeah. God is the solution. I loved that. And um, yeah. that's just, you know, just... But I would like to say, though, yeah. that, you know, not to, to knock medicine or anything. Yeah. You know, sometimes God gives us these things as gifts. Yeah. Because usually what's now being recommended, because there are various ways of, you know, managing depression yeah. if you are like a therapist. Yeah. But usually they recommend both, like, if they're going to put you on medication yeah. and therapy as well. So yeah. therapy is going to help you talk through these issues and stuff. I think that's another thing. A lot of people are afraid to go to therapy because it's got the stigma, yeah. but it's necessary, mm. guys. If you, you're, like, in that space, yeah. get therapy, pray at the same time. And if you some, need. I've actually gotten to a point once where I thought maybe I need to, to speak with someone. Um, psychologists is just like doctors. They're mm -hmm. not allowed to advertise. Yeah. So, so like, they can't come out on TV and say, come to my practice. Or yeah. You're not allowed to advertise. But there are therapists that advertise, though. It's illegal. No. It is. They, 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 they don't call themselves therapists. They call themselves prophets. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's, that's, no, a whole no other, that's a whole other show. There. We love you. You do a great job. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Uh, we're Raiden Culture. Uh, I'm Mr. Kent. And yeah, we out. Out. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.